Hi everyone, welcome into Primetime TV. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Marville Kelly. With me is my husband, my other co-host here, Dennis Kelly. And back by popular demand, I've been talking about Rob Imperato coming back. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for having me. I always love coming and having the, the conversations with you. The conversations we have really get into some deep things because you know what? There's a lot going out in the world. Yeah. And uh, we talk on a regular basis and we're all collaborating here to try to bring you the best information for living your best life ever. And one of the things that have led us to this, I kind of call this sort of a, uh, a series that we're going to have to pull together because we can't do this in just one show. And that series is going to be all about passion, people, and purpose. That's who we are. We all have the hearts of fire to really bring up our passions and what we want to do to help the world be a better place, help you live a better world as well. And so we're going to get started here by just sharing a little bit, like I want to call it your what's your story, kind of like segment because we each have a story. You have a book called The Digital Age, and you know how I am shamelessly promoting this all the time. This is one of my go-to books on a regular daily basis. I kid you not, because I get so stressed up about over the digital age. My husband's written a book called The Six Steps to the Fountain of Youth. This is an old, old book, but everything is still current in it. And what I wanted to do is get started to just share with everybody why you both have been in corporate America already doing coaching, whether you've seen these guys or not, they they come with a little bit of experience to say the very least. So I'm gonna start with you, Kelly. Um, back in 1996 when we met and became an item and all, he was using me as kind of like a, to set the example, kind of a guinea pig I call myself because he was writing The Six Steps to the Fountain of Youth. But it has an interesting story behind it as does Rob's. So I want to just give you that background so you know where we're all coming from here and we're just not making stuff up on the fly. Why did you write your book and how did you get started with Bill Buckles? Well, basically you have to go back many years, many, real many years, <laughs> when I came over in the Mariflow. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of my, I thought was my, one of my true loves broke up with me to go with a dance teacher because she loved to dance and I wouldn't dance. And that started a chain reaction because I really was upset because not only did she break up with me, but they came to the same club that I'd go to on the weekends in Fort Myers, Florida, the Club Rendezvous. And there, there she was, there her boyfriend was. So what I did is after my mother tried to teach me how to dance, she says, you'll never learn how, you have no rhythm. I went to a dance studio, a little local dance studio called the Gigi School of Dance, and started taking lessons. And <laughs> that started giving me the confidence because I came from a very sordid childhood. I mean, really messed up. I had all the rights to, to almost drop out of society. It was so bad. And so this was a paradigm with me was to be able to show the world my stepfather. Then I'd come home, my stepfather would tell me I was a bum. So it, my whole world was in conflict with the feedback that I was getting, and I didn't want to go that route. So the dance business was great because 
from not knowing how to dance, telling me that I could never dance, losing my girlfriend because I wouldn't dance, to winning a world championship in the tango, in the bolero. <laughs> right. Three years later. So that started the ball rolling. And then I st started taking up many different things, going to many seminars, because I wanted to be able to develop something in my life and not be a loser, to label as a loser. As everyone was calling you, your coach, your stepfather. <clears throat> right. Well, I was the worst athlete in the history of Grafton High School. I had played three years of football, never made a touchdown. Three years of basketball, never made a basket. They didn't play me much, but they had to play me because only six kids, I mean, 11 kids out for football, six-man football. <laughs> so they had to play, and then we'd play these farm teams where the guys were gorillas. They were farm boys who didn't graduate from high school, 20, 21 years of age in high school. Oh, dear. So that started me really competing with myself and trying to get rid of my stepfather's voice in my head. And so that was a positive negative. That worked well to get me where I wanted to get. And then my goal was to write a book because what happened is, because my dance instructor, she what she did is she had me read a book every other week. Mm. She had me go to Dale Carnegie courses, concept therapy courses. She had she saw the the thing in me that I didn't see, and so what I did is I followed through with her because I had nothing to lose, and of course I had six months after I was dancing, came back to the rendezvous. Because I didn't go there for six months. I practiced in the studio. She gave me the keys. I love this So I story. went back there. There my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, and her boyfriend, the dance teacher, up there <coughs> doing the cha-cha. So I got the best dancer in the group. And I asked her to dance, and she knew I couldn't dance. because She, everybody she knew thought everybody. she knew. I said, no, I can dance now. So we got up on the floor, and I really <coughs> got into it. And my ex-girlfriend came over, half it was over. Where did you learn how to dance? Would you dance with me? I won't say what I said because okay, I wasn't we'll say, a gentleman we'll say then. That. <laughs> but I had my vengeance. But you know, that went so far. Then years later, because I got a lot of thrill out of helping people. It went from helping me, all in it for me, but then I got the, had people come up and say, well, tell me your secret. How did you become successful in this? And so I got more pleasure out of then doing it for other people than I did for yep. myself. Because yep. I had established the self-confidence. I knew that I was not a bum. And I knew that I could get beautiful women to go out with me because I could dance. That's what attracted me to you, wasn't it? <laughs> I saw that look in yeah. your eye. You're so funny. Well, you know what? Let's fast forward this. And, and I love to share your story. And everything is actually in his book, The Six Steps to the Fountain of Youth. You can get on dennis-kelly.com. But we're not here really to sell his book. We're here to really bring to you the whole background and what has happened. And, <coughs> excuse me, Bill Buckles had you do some seminars. Real quickly, if you could run through that, because I want to make sure that we cover the digital age with Rob and his story in this segment, because didn't he hire you, and then right after you did your, your office seminar, yes. he said, I want, to, I want to produce your book for you. Yeah, what happened is the girl <clears throat> I was going with at the time was his massage therapist, and I said, I said, why don't you get me into his office? Because he had a very successful operation going based on nursing homes. So she set up for me to do an hour lunch and learn thing with him, free. This is a freebie. Well, I did the hour lunch and learn, 
And I told in that Lunch and Learn, I told everybody I was writing a book. I was going to write a book about my life and about the successes that I accomplished. And he was so impressed with me. He says, I might be interested in writing your book. I have my secretary call you. So I said, well, <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So uh, there, that's how this book was born. That's right. Then about three or four months later, he called. He had the secretary call me and said, Mr. Buckles wants to see you. I get in there and he says, what's it going to take to write your book? <laughs> so not only, he says, well, how are you going to promote it? I said, well, I, I, I guess just I'll have to find some means of income. How much do you need? He gave me a nice salary per week. Mm -hmm. We paid someone to to edit the book. The editor was paid six thousand dollars a month for three months to edit the book, and it went from there. We traveled on a ship. Yeah, it was. It's been. A, it's been a, quite a journey, and so the passion you can see from somebody that was helping himself through personal growth and development actually led you to becoming a life coach, peak performance trainer, and heart math certified coach. And I love the story behind it. And I'm sure that, Rob, a similar story is going to come out of you as well, because I remember you telling me when we first met, um, and we just have uh, a minute or so, and then we'll bring you back after the break. But did you always have an interest in helping others, like at a younger age? How did this all happen for you? You're bringing a smile on my face because I, I have spoken of it, and it's in the book. It was the uh, neighborhood shrink <laughs> that I was referring to. I remember to. that. Yeah, as a young person. <clears throat> and what it was is that I just had a natural ability to listen. Didn't understand it. All I knew is that I was popular because of it, so I loved it. And mainly the young girls would come and talk to me about their boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, so there was always a little conflict in the group. And I, <laughs> As you can tell, I come from New York originally, so we didn't we hung out, and so there's always a group of people. So that's that's how that's really started. And then reflecting back, I always enjoyed uh, listening and helping people and giving words of wisdom, even though I didn't realize that you didn't know that they really were words yeah. of wisdom, and they now come back and echo you, echo in your your life coaching practice today, it which does. is awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. It is amazing, and uh, we've talked many times, and we've all been out in the circuit speaking in uh, West Pasco for the Business Development Week, and that was just so much fun. We've re all really gotten to know one another, but it's time for us already to take a break. Uh, and you'll understand why we're going to have to do this in a series, because there's so much to cover, but it's important for you to really see the background here. So we're going to take a break, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about The Digital Age by Robert Imperato, and you can get this on Amazon, right? Yes. Okay. All right, and this is the best read. You need to have this by your nightstand because there's so many answers in here and in here are the six steps to the fountain of youth that you can pull together to live in this crazy world. We'll be right back. At a certain age, so this is supposed to happen. No, it's not supposed to happen.
Hi, I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hollox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at at a certain age so this is supposed to happen. No, it's not supposed to happen. Hi everyone, welcome back into Primetime TV show right here on WeBeam TV. I'm Barbara Marville. Thank you so much for joining us. Dennis Kelly to my right and Rob Imperato, both major league life coaches. I have to say that because I know them both. I know you better than I know Rob, but it doesn't take long to get to know Rob. All right, we're going to dig in here. I want you to share your story on your book, The Digital Age, and what brought you to this? I mean, this is just amazing, this book. It, never in my dreams, even as a child, even as the neighborhood shrink, did I ever think I'd write a book. I had no intention, no desire, and didn't think I could. But we didn't have the digital age back then like right. we do now. But even writing any book. Oh, yeah. okay. Writing any book that would bring out any thoughts I had. You know? But after I uh, had to leave corporate America because of my uh, medical situation, and then came into life coaching. My, my original dream, I would say, was to help people to transition, as myself, because everything stopped for me. You know, company costs, six-figure salary, that was all gone. Even my identity to myself and my name badge, I had to even give back. Oh. Not literally, I kept it, but it was no longer there. Right. So it was redefining myself. Sure. And I realized that was a passion for myself to reach out and talk to people to help them understand that these things can happen, but you can go forward. How this came about is I started to do more networking events and speaking things, and people were t talking about their children. Mm -hmm. And when talking about their children, I'm thinking about youngsters, 10, 11, and it was not. It was a range from 10, 11 to up to 40 you know, yes. years old that were really struggling. But what really kicked this off for me was the anguish that the parents were feeling and expressing to me in a public environment, and they didn't even know me. The hurt, the pain. And I couldn't understand what was going on. I raised two children, and I, I, of course, raising children is challenging and difficult, but I never had that kind of feeling. I didn't feel like an extreme failure at any point. You know, I knew I was working hard at it and could have been better, but I never felt like this extreme failure. That's what prompted me to start to really work more with parents and do research on this, what's going on, what's happening, why are they so unhappy? And then I realized the, the space between the parents and children was uh, lengthening further and further apart and a lot of the children's uh, challenges the common thread was their personal um, confidence you know really the self-esteem was the number one thing that was driving them down self-image self-image all of that yes you've talked about that as well so so this anguish that you're actually feeling with the parents 
was really saying, hey, it's, it was almost like a little voice in your head going, you need to do this. You need to delve in more to see yeah. what you can do to help out. Yeah, it was a natural calling and mm -hmm. passion to go off. And for me to, to think that I could tell parents that a parent, that was never my thought. I'm not going to tell you the parent, but to see what's happening and help you see what's happening. Yes. And bridge that, that gap between the communication between them and the children. Well, you know, why the digital age, though? There, <clears throat> I've read the book, so I know what's in this book, and it hits on every talking point that I've ever complained about when it comes to the digital age. It's different now, and I don't know any other book that can compare to this to help us all with the digital age. We're all facing this. Is that part of the whole picture well as a child there was very little digital right stuff Techn right. technology was basic you had one telephone and maybe an extension uh, there was no computers when you when you went to your room it was punishment nowadays <laughs> people go to, kids go to their room they're happy to go to their room yeah. but for me there was nothing so what was the difference why in a 25 year period did the depression rate go up 25 to 30 percent for 13 years old 13 and, and under, it had grown, the depression rate. And it, if you look at it, it paralleled the growth of the internet and all this new technology mm. that followed mm -hmm. them because they've mm -hmm. lost themselves in it, for many. And it's not about everybody, but for many, they have. So, so do you think that they lost themselves in it because of the lack of, I, and I don't, I don't mean this in an incorrect spirited way against parents, we all do the best we can, but towards uh, possibly uh, parent parental leadership and helping them and, and being a little bit more disconnected because parents have it tough today too, doing a couple of jobs at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the kids off to school and a lot of them are going to going back to college right. to up the ante on, on their profession and their career, their income and everything. Yeah, when we talk about peer pressure, and just you always ignite my thoughts when I talk to you. When we talk about peer pressure, we think mainly of the young kids. <coughs> a lot of peer pressure going to school, but we don't realize how much the parents under it are under it to do well, to compete, be the better parent compared to other parents, mm -hmm. and what their children are telling them. Mm -hmm. So what the parents are under nowadays is an incredible amount of stress, and trying to keep the household together. Two working uh, parents in one household, or more single family, uh, single parent families. So there's a lot more going on. So it's easy to criticize. My point is not to, and I know that's we talked about, taking more of a leadership role yes. to meet those children where they're at. You yes. know? If we use the parenting skills that we were taught when we were children, they're not going to work today. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah, right. It's way different today. Right. It's so different, and there's so much stress coming from so many different angles. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's um, one of the th that's where you come in with your masterful stress management program when you were a kid growing up you didn't have any of the digital age really um probably less than we did because he's a little older than we are i love you <laughs> keep you know reminding me <laughs> <laughs> but you had your own stresses when you were a young kid when you, your coach told you that you weren't worth two cents and and they he you overheard him saying that he had to play you yeah the kid, how did that make you feel well, then you go home and your father says you're a bum and you just wonder the whole world is against you. Exactly. I mean, it could go either way. You get that point called the tipping point where you're going to go downhill, you're going to go uphill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it contributes deep down inside my grandmother and my father's side. I spent a lot of time with her because my mother and father didn't get along too much. So they had a couple divorces at the same time. I mean, same person. 
So I would spend a lot of time with my grandmother. She would put me on her lap and read to me every night about the night on the shining red the night in the, night shining, in the shining armor. <laughs> the shining armor, shining red horse. The night in the shining armor, and the positive things about life. So she had that seed was in the back of my mind. I mm -hmm. wanted to be that mm -hmm. night on shining armor to rescue the Denzel in distress. Mm -hmm. You know that type of thing, and it really really was my motivator eventually to get rid of doing it because I want to prove myself. Then it got to the point where I was doing it in a, in a better productive way. I want to help people. Exactly. That's and when it, I made that transition. And you overcame. To, yeah. You I'm, overcame I'm, I'm that. Pain, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was empathetic and, and uh, with the world. Exactly. And that's where you are today and all of our, our passions artists to give back that way and take what we've all learned. And that's why we have such passion because we have learned and we have jumped in and we've proven it to ourselves, which is really all, we're in more in competition with ourselves, aren't we? Than anybody else, really. That's the right competition. It's, it's that person looking back at us in the glass right. and how we feel about ourselves. So you wrote the book, The Digital Age, and you're still coaching. How long have you been coaching with your book? When did your book come out? The book came out in 2014. Okay. I've been officially coaching since 2009. Okay. And I've learned a lot from Rob when you talk about what I, I think this is such a gift that you are able to work with the millennials. Yeah. And this is a, you know, we talk about the different generations and there's really something to it, right? Yeah. And you've shared some things that, that your millennial students are sharing with you and I find it quite fascinating and some of these things that as a parent and as a grandparent I think we need to know this is going to help us yes yeah yes. yeah so just before the show today you had somebody call you um why don't you share if you can without naming names or anything it was just before the show an hour before the show you had somebody call you yeah parent was inquiring about um their child mm -hmm. and a child that was always done well and what evolved into <coughs> them not doing so well now what happened and a concerned parent and feeling bad that they could do more you know and so it is it is more than that than we realize that uh, not to get specifics that spiral that you start to lose confidence and then everything else goes as as uh, Kelly had said earlier that you know you have to go one way or the other they do they seem to they don't stay here they go back and that's what parents find. So what happened? Well, it's so concerning. How do you get them out of that? Mm -hmm. And the process that I use, it's, it's simple. I'm not recreating anything. It's the positive reinforcement, positive psychology. Let's look for the good. Mm -hmm. Let's see what you do well and focus on that to bring up your self-worth because that's where it comes from. You're acknowledging it. And when we talk about the passion here and the table rattles when you say it, that passion is what drives us. That's right. Fulfillment. And for me, it's almost selfish because I love helping people. And when they get that moment, there's nothing greater for me. No, it, it's so true. And when some of the things that you've shared with me, and you have too, <clears throat> you've been a step-parent to several children. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to this day, they write you or call you and thank you for all the personal growth and development that you have implemented in their lives. So we all need those mentors. It's not like the three of us are the only ones in the whole wide world that are, right. that are fulfilling our passions. There's many of you out there as well, and whether you're a professional or not. We're all life coaches. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, I wish we were born with a life coach manual, like I said to you earlier today. So you had mentioned something about 
where does this start? And you mentioned early sexualization. Yes, and st studies, <coughs> and they're doing, continuing to do more studies, and I don't know a great deal about it, but I do know certain stories from certain individuals about people being involved younger. But what strikes me when I do hear statistics, mm -hmm. it really uh, sends me for a loop. From 20 years ago, they interviewed 13-year-olds and under, thir 12, 13-year-olds, and they said 5% explain that they are sexually active, 13-year-olds. Well, they did one as, as early as last year, and it came up to about 25%. So that difference in, in the, whether you want to call it morality or that the need to, to feel better or to grow quicker, it's, to me, it's depleting their childhood. They're not getting the chance to enjoy the simple things as we did when we were young at that age. Right. And they want to jump into, I guess, that feeling of acceptance yeah. or what have you. Um, but Bob, they're not, they're not ready emotionally. And you said that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of these parts of the anguish that the parents feel, Yeah. right? Yes. And the other thing is that we were talking about going outside the home for the gratification and yes. to feel that feeling of acceptance. Yes. W what have you found, and I know you have some points too, is how, what, you know, what can we help our parents, even if we give one little tidbit today that is a takeaway for them? Because I know you're out there. We've all been there, done it somehow, some way, with a with a son, grandson, a daughter, or whatever it is. What I want I want to hear just a couple of things, and we're going to recap this at the end of the hour. What have you learned, and what have you learned that we could share with parents today? Because our parents are hurting, not all, but some of them are. Some of them are, and they're hurting bad. Majorly, yes, and it's affecting them. Mm -hmm. I mean, so low self esteem, or self worth. It's great because that's the greatest gift in life. Mm -hmm. And if they feel that they're feeling that, what else is there? So that's what I hope to help to continue to change it. Listen, you're great. You're great at what you do. Let's try different things. One of the things I, I may mention, if I may, is to talk about leadership parenting. Yes. We talked about that briefly today. It's about really being more leadership and role modeling of what you, what you need done. Bingo. When you're emotionally involved, and it's easy for me to sit here and say, just be a leadership a parent. When you're emotionally involved, it hurts, but mm -hmm. it's about stepping back. And I think Kelly can probably help more people with that stepping back, get to that moment of realization of what you want in parenting, what you want your children to do, and think about the plan. Put a plan together, you know, and how you're going to approach them because it's, it's the greatest lack is communication. You can say one thing, and I've sat between parents and children, what'd you say, and what did you hear? And That's right. It's a world apart. It's all, it's all about perception, and my husband talks about that constantly, so do I. Perception is everything. You can say it. You can say the same thing, and one person will get it one way. Another one will get it another way. I know yes. we have a commercial break coming up here. Gosh, this hour is going by too quick. Um, but you're going to explain when we come back. I, I want you to share with us, too, on what you have seen with parents that you've coached, whether it be in a corporate atmosphere because there's parents in corporate America and uh, just how it's affected them. So I think it's time to go for that break right now and we'll be back with more on Primetime TV. At a certain age, so this is supposed to happen. No, it's not supposed to happen.
Hi, I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hollox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at certain age so this is supposed to happen no it's not supposed to happen yeah so welcome back everyone to primetime TV we are talking about a lot of things that affect a lot of people and a lot of other things moving forward in this crazy world of ours and um, just before we we took the break we were talking about you know different things of how you help parents that in turn help the kids and we were gonna have you kind of pipe up and talk about what you've done with parents and the parents that attend your corporate seminars. They they love hearing what you have to say. And plus, you've raised some stepchildren on your own. Yes, and sometimes it's very difficult because mm -hmm. you, you know you can't. Sometimes you don't have the boundaries you do when you're their natural father or parent. But I I think the first step and the really important step is be a good example. Thank you. The best gift you can give your children is be a good example. Because when, if you're trying to tell your kids not to <coughs> smoke, not to do this, not to do that, and then you go and do those same things, that puts that child in a part of, of the, the sequence there of a downhill spiral. Because then they, they, if they don't have their, their faith in the role model, their parents, or if their parents weren't a role model, then they tend to pick up all the bad habits. And, and they, 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 it's like, well, if my dad did it, why can't I do it? If my mom did it, why couldn't I do it? You know, that type of thing. It's like a mixed message. A yes, true it is. mixed message. And that goes back to what you were saying about leadership parenting. That's the key. Yes. But what if the parents don't have the leadership skills to do that? And, and based on how they were parenting, where, where did you always ask the question, where have you seen your parenting skills before back to the parents right so to try to shift and realize that these kids are more educated in things they see more dramatic things they see YouTube stuff beheadings every crimes live stuff so they're far more advanced with what they're seeing but they're not emotionally ready exactly so how do you communicate with them on their level and don't make it what I always try to mention is please have a conversation you know but don't um, interrogate Communicate, but don't interrogate. You know, that's really good because I think as parents, I mean, we're just not born with a handbook. So we do the best we can. And sometimes it may come across as being hostile or mad when we're really not. No. We're just frustrated and we want to try to get some answers. And I know we were talking about this earlier, about the, um, the skill, the parenting skills that can be much more effective because it's almost like we have to adjust 
parenting and grand and grandparenting skills. I'm not leaving you guys out. Us grandparents do because of our little ones. We want to help them because times are changing. We can't use the old ways. Mm -hmm. Just like technology is changing with the iPads and the computers and everything. So how do we shift? How do we shift in a positive way? Either one of you guys just chime right in. Well, basically, we have to rewire ourselves. We're not genetically engineered to handle this kind of stress because of the fact we've evolved as a human race. We've evolved mentally much faster than we have emotionally. And as a result, the, the challenge is it, it's very difficult to be able to correct that situation being able to make them see and realize that we're genetically engineered to not be positive and let the trap, trying to trap them into something, go by the wayside, but actually be there with them to understand how they feel. In other words, empathetic, being able to feel, know what your person, your child or whatever you're working with, uh, knowing that uh, they, in other words, knowing that they really have what it takes to be able to overcome these setbacks, realizing that what you're doing is not good, but you're a good boy. Good boys and good girls don't do that. Mm -hmm. Rather than saying you're a bad kid. That's right. So you're you're. It's 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 sad because you're really destroying the communication boundary between you between you and that child. That's right, and that stays with them for a long, long time. And that was uh, some of the points that you were making earlier too, Rob. They will wear that label. Mm -hmm. We all would, mm -hmm. as Kelly mentioned when he was a child. You start to wear that label, and, and it's very difficult. It is it, that little voice stays in your head. Mm -hmm for a long time. Especially with the parents, because parents are the biggest thing in your life. Of course. And, you, and you, you start out, even though you're demanding when you're an infant, you start really wanting to please them. And mm -hmm. that's part of the big challenge that they have nowadays is that they want to please the parents and then they get frustrated because they can't, so the parents only see anger. Mm -hmm. But to, to Kelly's point, that role model is so important. You know, being, being the person that you want your child to be, you know, yes. to see. Yes, and that can be quite a challenge too because sometimes the parents don't really understand that, that they are setting the example for their children, never even gave, gave it a thought. Yes. You know, don't smoke, but then they'll go and they'll light a cigarette. They're giving them those mixed messages on a daily basis. And again, it goes right back to how were we parenting way back before the digital age. Um, the digital age is one of my biggest pet peeves. You and I talked about this last last week on our show. And um, it all leads to the one word that is not my most least favorite word, and that's stress. Stress is hitting us from every single angle, including these children, the young children, what they are faced with today. So learning how to deal with that stress and eliminating as much how, how are you finding, I mean, you're, you're working with younger, like I say, the millennial generation. I'm sure you're finding that that's a major part of their, of their trying to get through all this. They're trying to like. <laughs> and they don't know. They don't know. That they're stressed. It's just what is the reaction. It cuts back on, on their coping skills, the resiliency, grit, you know, which is the perseverance part of our lives. And they, they a, lot, a large part of this is sleep 
deprivation. Mm. They, these children need between eight and ten hours of sleep. Some of them are getting two and three and four, and they'll tell you that. I do time management with them, so when I put in for them to fill out their sleep, when they're being honest with me, they'll fill in four hours. And so what do they do? And they're on their, they're on doing their games, yes. they're texting, yes. sexting, you name it, they're yes. doing it on, on their iPad. Absolutely. On their phones. All of that that contributes to then they can't learn the next day because they have the sleep deprivation. Absolutely. So, so how, what's, how is your uh, uh, working with them in changing that around? It's difficult because um, <clears throat> the parents ask me, how's that possible that they played 30 or 40 hours a week on these games? And um, I tell them, well, they, they say it's between 1 and 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and then you can't get them up the next day. And that's the, the challenge because they have such access. Yes. Their rooms, when I was being punished, I went to my room, I was isolated, <laughs> yeah. I was being punished. <laughs> we send them to their room now, they love it mm -hmm. because they, the, the lack of social skills, it's more comfortable, so they can do whatever they want. It is part of, the, from the very small age, and that's what I hope to get one of my points across is when they're even younger to start that, the mm -hmm. limitations of part of the agreement. Mm -hmm. You can play your games, but you have to get to bed at this time, you have to make your bed in the morning, start your day out, whatever that, that rule is, to really have them define what their responsibility is, being part of the family. Exactly, and that's teaching responsibility, right? Right, actually, it's been proven that they, um, how do I want to put it? I had a senior moment there. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had, it, I had something, a key thing I was gonna mention. Uh, well, it'll come back. It'll come back. That's okay. It's probably in the book. Oh you, yeah. You want to thumb through there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but really, these things do happen, and you don't realize. And if the parents aren't monitoring, from they're asleep, they've got to yes. get up the next morning. Yes. They've got to get their own rest, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't know what the kids are doing from one to three in the morning. Right. And I mean, it's just. And we talked about something else earlier a little bit today is even though we've already raised our kids we still aren't the type of person that has to go well I've done my I've done my share raising my kids you know I'm done we don't realize as parents and as taxpayers that we still need to be involved in in society to help them because if you have grandkids guess what whether you're raising that grandson or granddaughter or not and many adults are raising their grandchildren for one reason or another. We've also talked about that. Um, we just we need to know what we need to do to be on top of our game. For me, it's grandparenting. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be. I want to be the best grandparent. What's my role model as a grandparent today? Right. It's it's no different than if I was a younger mom raising kids. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I, I think it's about values and and, and responsibilities <clears throat> and communication. No, if you do this, you know, whether it's that, uh, that that's going to hurt grandma's feelings. Or mm -hmm. if you say that that's improper, you're giving them some, some sense of the empathy, yes. how you feel. Yes. You're not blaming them. You're not yes. saying you're bad because you're saying, I feel bad, you yes. know. And if you get that from me, I really appreciate it. made me feel good that you do this. It gives them that little reward. They need, as you called it today, dripping. Drip that stuff into them so they get to feel the rewards going forward. They acknowledge it to themselves. They do. And just when you think that they're really not listening, <laughs> they oh. are listening. Believe us all when we tell you they are listening because eventually 
it starts coming back to you as they get older. And I'm going to say this whether my son Jason or Jamie are watching or not, but I told you this where Jason, because we're into really good health foods, superfoods, and you know, I've been dripping on them all these years. They make fun of me when I give raisins and nuts on Halloween, no candy and crazy stuff like that. It's okay. They grew up without any cavities. So Jason says, did you know that grass-fed butter is better than margarine? I go, no, never would have thought that. <laughs> and, and I just, we just got the biggest kick out of that. But it's time for us to take another break so when we come back oh my goodness is that is this our last segment when we come back Gee. okay we'll be back right after this at a certain age so this is supposed to happen no it's not supposed to happen I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hot Locks is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978.
at a certain age, so this is supposed to happen. No, it's not supposed to happen. Hi, everyone. Welcome back into Prime Time. We are in the last segment of our show. We're going to go really fast with a lot of information because we want you to leave here with a few takeaways. So I'm Barbara Marville Kelly. With me is Dennis Kelly and Bob or Rob. Good Lord. Rob Imperato. I'm getting so excited because I want to get as much out as we can. Talking about the digital age, the book that Rob wrote, and there's so much in this. You can get this on Amazon and the six steps of the fountain of youth. All you need to know about health, reducing stress and that you can get on dennis-kelly.com. But I'm going to turn the last segment over to you two because I want you to give as much input as you can as far as some takeaways for parents, grandparents, and the like. So I'm going to just throw it out on the table for you guys to go. Uh, Rob, why don't you get started? What would you say, what is something that a parent or grandparent can learn from you right now, right this minute? Number one, appreciate that you love your children and you're trying hard. Uh, no matter what I'm talking about, I know there's a lot of great love and great intention for parenting, and there's a lot to be done, you know. So for me to sit here and say, you should do this, it's not that. I understand what you're doing. It's about really finding a niche and communicating, looking how you can communicate that. I often talk about making a deposit, and by that I mean when you see a child, instead of whether questioning about how school was, just say hello or she and just tell them I love you or I'm proud of you and leave it alone. Defer the communication. You're making the drop in the bucket, the seed is planting the seed and the continuance. What parenting happens because we're so busy, sometimes we forget to hug our children or they don't interpret it as being a hug. So I'm saying reach out and give a hug, make that deposit and let them know you love them. But listen as well. And Dennis used the word, great word uh, earlier, Kelly, you used a great word earlier about empathy. It's also thinking about the, their position, how hard they're really trying, and why are they really frustrated? What are they feeling? Are they feeling that they're failure, that they can't do? And that positive reinforcement of the things they do right should stand out to build up their self-esteem, self-confidence. Very well said. Communication is key. Don't sweep it under the rug. Sweetheart? Well, I think what happens with a lot of parents, they keep looking for what their son or daughter is doing wrong. They start calling more attention to what they're doing that isn't right rather than find catching them doing something right. Mm -hmm. And that goes in business and anything. It's not just with your children. Sending a good example falls into that category. And being able to allow them to do, well, the law of allowing. One of the laws of this, this universe, the law of allowing. Allowing them to be the way they want to be even though they may not want you to be the way you're being. And tough love, like you did with your son. Oh, yes. Is you, you, one of the biggest mistakes, and I'm sure Rob will agree with me, the parents make, is they will threaten their child with something, and then they won't follow, won't follow oh, through with it. Yeah. You know, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. And if they don't do it, then the parent yeah. will allow them because they want the kid to be a friend. They allow them to get out of it. And then the child feels insecure mm -hmm. because they, they want that. Oh, yeah, they, they do. They want that, but they don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I'm going to pipe in a real quick a little uh, example. When my kids were growing up, I had uh, a neighbor's son come up to me and, and say, Mrs. Marvel, uh, how, how come you, you keep your promise all the time? 
And I said, well, because, you know, I want you kids to understand that I believe what I'm doing here, and if I make a promise, I keep my word. So he took it home with his, with his mom, and his mom came over, and she said, Barbara, Michael came home and told me about the promises that you make your kids. Well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you keep all your promises? I go, it's very simple, Renee. I don't make a lot of promises, but the ones that I make, I keep. And you know that that has stayed with my kids all to this day. They know that if I say something, and especially when I promise it, you know, follow through with that. And I think that is, is so important. The, the whole love connection comes from the communication, going back to the communication. We all want to feel that we're loved. A, a simple unexpected hug. Some kids are growing up without one or both parents doing that with well, them. Well, they're taking that away from us, that too. That they mm -hmm. won't allow school kids to hug each other at the school. Or, and, I mean, it's, it's so sad how we're shifting over to where we can't make our own decisions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that gets into the political things we don't even want to talk about, but that, no, I that understand. trickles down into the school and wherever. That's why it's important for parents to realize, you know, if you get your son or child involved in politics, you know, you're going to run into some obstacles. Well, yeah, we don't get into the politics in the show, but I'm sure you can <laughs> turn on the news at any time and it, it can be destructive. We've talked about this off camera behind the scenes and how sometimes politics can actually affect personal relationships in, in a major crazy way. But we only have just barely a moment and a few seconds remaining, but we hope that you've enjoyed the show. We're going to continue on as a series, whether Rob is in town or not, because we have the capability of zooming him in thanks to the digital age. Now, I, that's when I embrace mm -hmm. it, or when I'm face FaceTiming with my Absolutely. grandson, right? Absolutely. So there, you can always find the good and the not so good of mm -hmm. just about anything, it's really. It's the abuse of it that's yeah. what we're complaining yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. It's more disciplining ourselves mm -hmm. and all of that to, to make sure that, you know, we, we just balance. We want that sense of balance. That's what we're about. That's what you're about. We're all on the same page. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> there is somebody else who's on the same page with us, and he's coming up at 7 o'clock. Did you ever think you were going to live this long? My mom always said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd be taking better care of myself. Well, guess what? Michael Banner is coming up, and he's going to be doing a show at 7 o'clock called 62 Who Knew. He's got some great guests that are going to be coming up and sharing a lot of really good content in his hour, because that's what we do here at WeBeam TV. And we hope that you schedule our show live at 5 every Monday. And, of course, the last Monday of every month, we have Women Unscripted, and we're going to have a hot, sassy show for you there. We're going to set the stage for all the sages. In the meantime, thanks for being with us today. Tune in for Mike.